Episode 31 of the Cherokee Rewind. Hey, we're back on the road as we are live from Chateau Louise here on the shores of Lake Erie. Glad to have you along here. My name is Mick. And, of course, my guest this time around, legendary. Yeah, we throw that word around every once in a while from time to time. But this guy, yeah, he, he kind of sports it. He sports it. Goes by the name of Jay Fravor. We best affectionately know him as Big Mo. And uh, Mo, how you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good today, Mo, uh, Mick. Mick. Yeah, that, that name. That'll work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anyhow, I, first off, welcome. Second, uh, man, team is, uh, you know, what year is this for you now? Uh, this is year 14. Holy cow. So you started in what year? Uh, 07, 08. Yeah, okay. So, oh my goodness. That doesn't seem that long ago, but that was a while back. Yeah, that was a short retirement for me when yeah. I that to, into going into that year. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that here as we go along. Uh, first of all, uh, of course, you're uh, you're an East Side guy, probably so. And tell me, uh, what about? Uh, well, first off, what got you into this line of work? Well. Um, Back when I was in high school, uh, my dad was always been friends with uh, Chuck Hart from the Toledo Gold Diggers, um, and uh, we would go out to uh, Fort Wayne. And at that that at that time, the Detroit Vipers were up playing in uh, the in, uh, Palace of Auburn Hills. Uh, so, and even Cleveland, the old Richmond Richfield Coliseum. Uh, we would go and get he'd get us tickets when he was around the area, so we'd go catch catch games with him. And I, I remember um, it was the ninety one ninety two season, I believe it was. No, I'm sorry, it was ninety two ninety three because San Diego was a really good team that year. They they set the they tied the record for most points in the season by it. Well, anyway, so we went there and went to watch the pregame skate, and I stayed at the rink with Chuck all day and kind of seen what he did. I ended up. As you know, I'm a big Penguins fan. Uh, so one of the Fort Wayne owners seen me. I don't know if it was the owner or if maybe it was the equipment guy. But I had my Penguins gear on, and he came in and showed me a, a Penguins Stanley Cup ring. He was with the team the year they won the Cup. Um, but just hanging out with him that day, I just kind of thought what he was doing was kind of cool. And and so, I mean, it's, it's just kind of where I got to start kind of a feel for what it was. And then... I went to high school at Clay, um, and former coach Bob Zion was one oh, of my yeah. teachers, and uh, he kind of got me, kind of got me, my foot in the door of like I, actually no little known fact, no one really knows this, but me probably is he tried to get me to come on the first year with the Cherokee, mm-hmm. but at the time I had a girlfriend and it was just taking up too much time, and I ended up not not sticking around with it. So, uh, I mean. Still getting all of that uh, stuff that you did up there with uh, with Chuck, and and it kind of steered you in that direction. But uh, you got to start somewhere. How did you get a start? Um, so again, it was um, just I was graduated from high school for about eight or eight or ten years, and uh, I was up visiting my old a couple of my old teachers and someone mentioned that Bob Zion was taking over the job at uh Clay High School for to be the co- head coach. So I went over to Bob's uh 
classroom, and it was at the end of the day, and I talked to him about, you know, coming on board with Clay High School and helping him out. And uh, so he brought me on with Clay High School, and I did three or four years there. Well, at the time, Clay High School was practicing out of the sports arena, so that's how I kind of transitioned from working with Clay High School into getting my feet in the door with the Toledo Storm. Yeah, and then, of course, you transitioned there. Uh, who did you know, uh, who did you get to meet on the storm that helped you with that? Um, you know, um, Dave Alio, the equipment manager for the storm, and now the equipment manager for the Toledo Walleye. Um, I was just down there you know, every day, and I would go in, and I'd introduce myself to him, like, hey, how you doing? I'm Jay Fravor. I'm the equipment manager for Clay High School. And So what had happened was uh, he ended up relieving a guy of his duties, and needed someone to cover for him on a Wednesday night game. And he asked me if I'd be available, so I said, sure. Um, and at that time, all I was going to be doing was covering the visiting room, making sure they had what they needed, stuff like that. And uh, so I worked that Wednesday night, and uh, he ended up offering me, if I wanted to stay on for the rest of the year, I could. So I did much as I could with Clay, but I ended up transitioning over to working with the Toledo Storm as their assistant equipment manager for the rest. That was in uh, 03-04, I believe, is what that was. Okay. So, now, what was that like working with those guys? That had to be uh, baptism by fire. <laughs> it was a good time. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the... That's where I kind of got my feet into the door as far as seeing what the what the the ins and outs of the game was of what what I was going to be eventually doing on my own. Um, you know, uh, pro players are a little bit different than what I do now because they're getting paid to do what they do. So they expect a certain amount of things to be done, you know, because they're making a paycheck and they want to be, they want to know they have everything they need so that they can, you know, fulfill their job and do their job to the best of their ability. So it was a good time. Um, just the, you know, to this day, Dave's still a good friend to me. He's very helpful with what I do with the Cherokee because if he has a way to help me out, he he does that. And that 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 showed me that for what I do is I got to pass on that that same thing to somebody somewhere. If somebody wants to learn what I do or has, and I see them, I'm going to help them out. So, uh, who were some of the guys that you remember uh, from that time, uh, play, players from the Storm, that Toledo hockey fans would know? Um, well, the, that year, uh, Rick Judson, I think, was not playing, but he came back the next. Uh, yeah, he was finishing up his career that year. Um, they had uh, Robert Snowball was on the team that year. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, that was so long ago. Um, first year there uh jason malenko who became the captain for a little while for the last few years of the Toledo storm was the was on the team um uh obviously nick fatushi was the head coach um and uh the, you know that's that's probably some of the names that people would know that i can come up with off the top of my head but uh so now when getting all that were you did you have to take your fair share of ribbing as kind of a baptism by fire? Uh, you know, it was, the guys were pretty good to me, to be honest with you. I mean, but uh, obviously in hockey, the locker room's a little bit light, and and you, you you know, you, you josh and you kid with everybody, and, and I think that's kind of where I 
I started to get that kind of side of me to it. Um, it wasn't until a couple years later, the last year of the storm, that I really picked up on that. Uh, trying to, to keep the locker room light, keep guys with their minds on what they got to do, but at the same time knowing that they're there and they can have some fun as well. Yeah, that's always cool. Now, did you um – uh, did you? I mean, obviously, you know, we I talk about with the kids, with the junior guys, uh, they always talk about things like you know leaners and uh, <laughs> shoe check. Um, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did. Uh, leaners is so, so for everybody that wants to know what a leaner is. Is you take a cup of water and you put it under a guy's helmet. And uh, when he comes in to get ready for practice, and if he doesn't realize it's under there, then he'll pick his helmet up and he gets doused with water. Um, and yeah, I kind of started that in the room, and it's it's still going to this day. Uh, sometimes it gets a little out of hand. Uh, now I did, <laughs> speaking of leaners, now there's another type of leaner, which a couple years ago got us into some trouble at a hotel room. <laughs> and that was where you take and you put water in a uh, garbage can and lean it on the door, knock and run. And uh, we kind of doused the whole upstairs of the, of the hotel room. <laughs> Coach Kenny wasn't too happy with me when he found out it was me that gave the guys the idea. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Oh, man. I, that's the one thing I think I miss more than anything uh, nowadays is that uh, I miss those road trips and some of the crazy, goofy stuff that went on in the hotel rooms. And, you know, I mean, and I, I, I was telling somebody else, I said, one of my, my favorite, best leaner I ever saw was it was a long time ago and as a matter of fact it was before you were there but uh we were at a we stayed i think we were at a showcase or something and we were at a, at a hotel and someone took the time the hotel we were at was a nice one and instead they didn't have the disposable plastic cups like they do now they actually had glasses well a couple of the guys grabbed a bunch of glasses out of a few rooms filled them with water and stacked them up against a door as a leaner and then knocked because not only did the guys get wet and the carpet got wet and everything but it made a heck of a lot of noise <laughs> that's a good one i never thought about that one. Oh my gosh yes and uh i mean you had to you had to take time to put into that one if you're going to pull something like that up but you had to do it after bed check yes. it's the only way it works but uh those are always the fun ones. But uh, now, how long were you with the storm? Okay, so um, I finished off the season with them when I started there from when I finished up with Clay, and then I finished off that season with the storm that year. Uh, I came back for the next season, which I believe was 05, 06. So it would have been 04, 05 was the first year I started helping them out. Um, and so I was with them. I came back for 0506, but at the time uh, a job opened up in the ECHL out in Trenton, New Jersey. And Dave said, Hey, this job's opened up. He can't find anybody. Would you be interested in going out there and, you know, taking a team over on your own for the rest of the year? And uh, I, I, I told him, Yeah, but at the same time, I was kind of doubtful uh, in my own mind if I was really actually ready for it. But uh, long story short, on December of that year, I loaded up my truck and drove out to Trenton, New Jersey. Holy smokes. Talk about going into the land of the unknown. That couldn't have been that. I mean, that had to be exciting, but a little scary, too. 
It really was. Um, again, now I was relatively new in what I was doing. I knew what I was doing and getting myself into, but I wasn't fully aware of the extent of how uh, big it was. It, you know, um, where you got 20, 20 plus guys in a locker room and you got to they're getting a paycheck and they want to make sure they have their equipment. They want to make sure they have all the things that, again, it goes back to where they know that they, when they go out on the ice, they're ready to perform. And one of the issues that I had with that was that some of the guys in that locker room knew me as the stick boy, as they call it, when you work the visiting room in pro hockey. That's all they knew me as. So they didn't have the respect for me, per se, because they didn't know that side of me as far as hockey went. Wow. So you had to take your lumps, essentially. I struggled. I'll be honest with you. I struggled. I struggled a lot. Um, I had and my son was five that year when I left. So the struggle was I'm out in a new town on my own, and I got a five-year-old son eight and a half hours away. Mm. Now, it worked out, fortunately, for me to where when I got there in December, it was, you know, two or three weeks before Christmas, uh, so I finished off up until Christmas, and then I flew home for Christmas, and it worked out to where we had two games in Toledo right after Christmas. So I came home for Christmas. We were home that I was home that whole week. We played Wednesday and Friday in Toledo, and then Saturday in Dayton. So it worked out for me where I could see my kid every three weeks because mm-hmm. just how the schedule worked out that year. So it wasn't like I didn't get to see my son, but it was a struggle not to be at least in the same city all the time with him. Yeah, well, I don't doubt it. So uh, the whole Trenton experience, um, if you had it to do over again, would you? Um, I don't think so. Only because, you know, and they say hindsight's twenty twenty, but knowing now that I didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into, I probably would have said I'm not ready for it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but overall, though, um, and then here's here's the story that went into that, too, is I, was, I remember I called off work. I was working at the House of Meats at the time, and I was waiting on a contract to come back from Trenton to see what they were going to offer me. And uh, finally, the contract came in and I went in to talk to my boss at the House of Meats. And I was actually going to tell him, no, I'm not going to take this job. And I remember him telling me, what are you showing your son if you don't take this chance? So on that side of it, showing my son that I'm going to take a chance on something, that worked out for me. But the side of not being ready, that didn't work out for me. So, okay, so then uh, how long? You were just there the one year for Trenton? Yeah, I finished off the season there in Trenton, which is about, I think I did about 58 games. Uh, we we limped into the playoffs. Actually, I looked at years later. I looked at the ECHL like record books, and we were statistically like one of the worst teams in ECHL history that year. And given the fact that they had just come off winning the Kelly Cup the year before, I was I was walking into a really no win situation. The uh, and I don't I don't blame anybody, but the owner had won his championship. He was ready to unload the team, and no, I didn't know this going in until I got there and found out later. So it was a, a tough situation. So anyway, I finished off that season, and then I ended up back here in Toledo for the next year. Yeah, so coming in, so, I mean, when you came to Toledo, what were, were you, like, relieved, glad? 
Um, it was nice. I came back. Um, that would have been the 06, 07 season, I believe. That was the last year for the Toledo Storm. And um, I remember getting in contact with uh, the organization, the Storm, and asking them, hey, you know, I'd like to come back. And not going back to Trenton, I'd like to come back here and take back my role as the assistant equipment manager. And at that time, Dave had gotten a job with Hamilton in the American Hockey League, so he was gone. Um, and then and then the new guy came in, and he did end up contacting me, like, yeah, absolutely, I want you back. So so you come back, and you do the year. And then, of course, the storm go on mothballs. Is that how it played out? Yeah, so about three weeks before this regular season ended, I remember standing at the entrance back by the locker room, and the news had come out kind of sort of inside the organization that this is it Um, they're going to shut down uh, they're going to tear the building down and all that and I couldn't say anything because it was insider information so I had to sit on that information for probably a good month before it actually came out Um, it was tough I mean I I grew up on the east side I I was a I was a I was a sports arena guy you know that that was home Um, and uh, yeah so yeah, we finished off that season. Like again, we went into the playoffs and lost, got swept by Cincinnati. And as as you know, that that now the arena doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, and that's the really sad part too, because I I really miss that that barn. Let's put let's be honest. It, I wouldn't go there if it was the last nuclear fallout shelter on Earth. But it was still it was our barn, and it had a lot of charm, a lot of. Um, uh, just a lot, a lot of little things. Like it wasn't a full sheet. It was what eighty by one eighty five. Eighty five by one hundred eighty. Yeah, it was the smallest sheet available. Yep. And then, uh, of course, the the visitors' locker room. I don't think you could fit the whole squad in there, could you? Uh, well, actually, at the end there, towards the last like uh, maybe four or five seasons, um, they had built a decent locker room for the visiting team. Um, but there was no heat in there, so, there <laughs> so <laughs> they couldn't do everything. There wasn't a whole lot to it. It was just a, it was a nicer place than what we had to begin. So and then, of course, the the officials' locker room that was uh, pretty small, if I remember correctly. Yes, it really. It actually, yeah, we just they had just like a little long, narrow, like hallway type locker room for the officials. Those are, those those were rough, man. Again, getting back to it though, you know, not taking anything away, the Huntington Center is a beautiful building, and the city deserved to get that type of a building for their hockey team. But I can be honest with you, I was down there when they made their run to the finals a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and it was loud in that building. But I don't think. In my opinion, it was still as loud as the night they won the, the Riley Cup at, in the sports arena. As There's, far as the, I agree with you, and here's why. I think that the the difference is is that, you know, say what you will about the faults of the sports arena, the Huntington Center feels more sterile. Where the 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 maybe it was because of so many ten cent beer nights, but the sports arena had emotion and feel to it. it you had 5000 you had 5300 fans on top of you okay when you were on the ice there and when you when that place um, it was so crazy that when you had um, you know the 
especially if you played like Fort Wayne, uh, the emotion that went that was in that building. I mean, you could, it it had a pulse to it. You could feel it as 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 someone who was there. Yeah, it really did. And uh, you know, when Mark Deasley scored that goal twenty seconds into that second overtime that night. It was just an unreal feeling, and you know, you always want to see that. I was in Fort Wayne a few weeks later when they won the cup, and it was cool. But it's just not the same as it's the team you're watching, and that's your home team. You know, mm-hmm. um, going to school the next morning and tired because I was just I was a senior in high school that year, and skipping out from uh, hey, I'm gonna go to the dentist today, and I went down to the parade and. It was kind of hard to hide that I was at the parade when my picture was in the paper the next day, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a miracle. That's all it was. My, see, my teeth are nice and shiny. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so you, you go through all of this, and then the you know they put the team on mothballs. Uh, that had to be hard. Uh, so you dec- what... What made you decide you wanted to give junior hockey a try? Because didn't you didn't you do uh, a stint to finish out the season with I think it was Port Huron? Yeah, that would be the next year. Yeah. Um, what happened was actually I can remember uh, we had just finished up. They basically locked us out of the sports arena. Um, I don't even think there was. Usually you get the you get time to go in there and put things away and. They just changed all the locks on us, and that was it. We were done. Um, so I'm at home, and uh, hockey season's over, and it's like, all right, it's time to, to find me a job. So I told my dad, like, I'm just going to get me a regular 9-to-5 job. I'm not going to I'm done with hockey. I'm, I'm, so basically I told him I'm retired. And uh, he's like, oh, okay, good. Um, I think that lasted about two weeks, and then, at the time, head coach was Ian Duncan for the Toledo Cherokee, and my phone rang one day, and I knew Ian from the storm, and uh, he called me. Hey, uh, I need a I need an equipment guy next year for the for the Cherokee. Do you want the job? And so that was, I think, about all of a two week retirement. And I, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll come work for you. Yep, that's that that's Doug. You know, you can't say no. But uh, and it's funny because. I remember, like I said, I remember you. You you were gonna give me a Port Huron hat. Anything to get rid of that. Uh, I have that skull cap of uh, Fort, <laughs> yeah, the Fort, Fort Wayne. Wayne. Yep, and I still have that, by the way. It. Uh, so yeah. So what happened there was I finished. I played. I came here to Toledo, and uh, we had a pretty good team too. Yep. Uh, it was Bubba Culp's first year. Uh, Brent Bain. Josh Williams was one of the defensemen that was in and out of the lineup that year. He didn't play every very many games, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah. So I come and and we're getting through. We get into like at either the end of January or early February, and we we swept St. Louis that year. Took all four games against them. We beat them on a Saturday night at home, and then I have to go in and tell Coach Duncan. You know, he's all on cloud nine. We, we just beat the defending national champs. We swept them in fo- all four games in the regular season. And he's all excited. And what he didn't know was two days earlier, Stan Drulia from Port Huron had called me. Well, let's back that up. Nick Vitucci called me and said Stan Drulia was looking for an equipment guy. Did, would I be interested? Could he give my number to Stan? 
And I said, sure, go ahead. Yeah, so, Stan Drulia used to play for the Detroit Vipers. Yes. Going back. Yep. Yep. Okay, the captain when they won the Turner Cup. Turner Cup, yep. So um, that was like, I say, Thursday. And Stan said, why don't you come up on Monday? We'll talk about, he said, I'm, I'm letting my guy go. Um, let you come up on Monday and we'll talk about it. And I said, well, what should I tell these guys? And he said, don't say anything until you know something. Well, I just couldn't do that to Ian. So I remember uh, we just finished up against St. Louis on Sunday. I think it was Saturday, Sunday games then, so it was a Sunday. And now I got to tell Dunk, hey, uh, just so you know, and I said, I don't mean to rain on this parade, but I have, I have to, I'm going up to Port Huron in the morning to talk with Stan Drewley about possibly going and finishing the season up there. And, uh, yeah, so that Monday I got in my car and drove up two hours to Port Huron, talk to Stan. Yeah, good old Stan. And they play in that, uh, was that, McMoran Arena? Yes, McMoran Arena. That, that place is like only about two-thirds the size of the sports arena in yeah. terms of attendance. Yeah, it's, uh, we didn't get very many fans. It's not, it's not a very, uh, it doesn't support their pro teams the way they used to back in the day. Yep. But uh, it was, I liked the arena, um, tiny little locker room. Um, it was a nice place to be. Like I say, I went up there, Stan, we talked for a few minutes, and Stan told me, he's like, we got a pretty good team. It's like something's coming together. Wow. Um, the guy that I took over for, I, I would definitely guarantee I wasn't as good of an equipment manager as him, but I do remember Stan saying later that the difference between me and that guy was I came in and the, the locker room lightened up um, because I was just so happy to be there. And After what I had gone through in Trenton, um, I was ready to give myself a second chance to see, you know, if I could handle the job now because I knew what I was getting myself into this time. Sounds pretty interesting. So, and then of course that year, Port, if I remember correctly, Port Huron had a run and made it to the Turner Cup final against Fort Wayne. <laughs> yeah. So we. Uh, we finished off the regular season pretty strong. I think I came in for the last 29 games, and I think we probably won 25 of them. Went like 25 and four down the stretch, something like that. It was it was we went on a really good run at the end of the year, and ended up Fort Wayne was just head and heels above everybody, and they ran away. I think they had the regular season title wrapped up in December, just about, and uh, so we go on this really good run, and we. There's only seven teams in the league, so it's semifinals, finals. But So we played Fort Wayne. They beat us, actually. I'm sorry. We played Flint in the first round, and they actually beat us at home for game one. Um, so we're down 0-1 to, to Flint in the first round, and I'm like, man, this ain't good. Well, anyway, we ended up coming back, went off four of the next next four games. We won the next game, and then we went to, Fort, to Flint and beat them twice, come back home to our barn, beat them in overtime to make the finals. And, uh, you know, I mean, you, you, you dream of that. You dream oh, yeah. of, like, that, that feeling of, man, we have a chance to come home and I have a chance to put a ring on my finger, you know. So it was, it was a good time. So you get, <clears throat> you get to the finals, and I could be wrong. It could be the wrong team or the wrong year. But were you guys up, like, 3 nothing? So we go into Fort Wayne – and we have, from what I, from what I'm told, Port Huron or we hadn't beat Fort Wayne in Fort Wayne all year. 
So we go into game one, and we beat Fort Wayne in game one in the final. So we're up one game to none. And it was really weird because Fort Wayne had some scheduling conflicts that year, so we would play one game in Fort Wayne, go home for a game, go back to Fort Wayne, back home for a game. We did the seven games. Yeah, all seven games All seven games were back and forth. So it played into our favor because we won game one. And I want to say we went home and won game two, and we lost game three in Fort Wayne, but we're up two to games to one. So we go back. Oh, no, that's not right. That's not right. Uh, We lose game two. Anyway, regardless, we we were up. We come up. We end up up three to one uh, in the series. And I can remember I'm cleaning off the bench uh, that night to get ready to go back to Port Huron for game five. And I, they had a guy on the on the ice. I think it was their captain. I don't remember who their captain was, but when he said we'll be back for game seven that night, I knew we had woken the beast. That's scary. Yeah, that's scary because I, I remember listening because I I could I, yeah, in Toledo you can at night you can pick up W O W O yeah and you could get uh, the late great Bob Chase uh, calling those games and uh, oh my gosh that was that was uh, I mean that was just like theatrical that was like riveting could not miss it uh, it was definitely the game seven was definitely a thriller. Um, we were down the whole game, and we pulled the goalie. And another thing that Stan told me later was we had never scored a, a goal that whole year with pulling the goalie. So we pulled the goalie and tied the game. Yep. So we go into overtime, and we had our extra guys. So we go into overtime. Right off the first faceoff, we come down. I thought it was over. We come down on the first faceoff and, and uh, almost score. One of their defensemen dives. To this day, I don't know how he didn't get a delay a penalty, delay a game penalty because he dove right at the net, knocked the net off. But you know, I don't have that ring, so they do. It's gonna say it's kind of uh, that. That was the wrong way to do it. The right way to do it was the way Dunk did it back in '91. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The rowboat. That was a good time too. Why I remember watching, sitting in the off coach's office with them and watching the old videos of the games and. I think that was the coolest part about it was having grown up and watched the whole both runs and then watching the games with Duncan the, and the, and he's commentating on what's going to happen here and what's going to happen there. It was it was kind of it was a lot cooler. Yep, no question about it. So, um, the, you were the bridesmaid then that year in Port Huron, but you come you did what happened with uh, Stan and them? You just decided to come back to Toledo and or did they not offer uh well when I left that year there was an understanding that I he was gonna call me and let me know that summer what was going on there was never really in full under agreement on that I was gonna come back there was was an agreement thinking I would come back but uh he he, he ended up uh he found another equipment guy that he thought was better suited for the job and so he ended up letting me go late in the summer that year um, and nothing against him. He, you know, every it's a business, and you got to do what you think is best for your team to win games too. So. Yeah. So okay. So you come back to Toledo. Uh, I take it you gave Dunk a call, or yeah. So um, I had a kid that I knew that I 
kind of steered Dunk towards becoming maybe taking over for me and um, then when Stan called me late in the summer it was probably a month maybe before training camp for the Cherokee and Dunk I'm available is there anything you can do for me he's like absolutely you're coming you're coming back so there was never really any hesitation on Dunk's part to bring me back aboard that's awesome so you come in in 07 Um, when you I know that when you uh, when you came in, those were some pretty high-power teams for the Cherokee. I mean, you know, you mentioned Bubba and, and Bain. Who, I'm trying to remember who else was on that team. Who was our goalie for that team? Do you remember? Um, yeah, we had... Um, Is that J.R. Engelbert? No, we had uh, Aaron Butenmiller, uh, Danzak. Um, oh, yeah, Duck. Brian okay. Danzak, Duck, Duck. Um, Trying to think, we had we had a huge different rotation of goalies. My first year, I think we had five goalies at one point, and I was taking nameplates off jerseys and putting them on. Wow! Uh, just so guys could get through the weekend. Kyle Richards, I think, was one of the kids. My goodness! And so we, I mean, I remember. Is that the year we went to uh, Herster Cup out in? Dub- I think it was in Dubuque. So yeah. So the first year we. Um, I think we, I think they just got into the playoffs and they lost in the first round. That was when I went to Port Huron. But then my second year back, we had a really good team. We actually probably should have won the regular season title and automatically got our bid to nationals. And we we faded out. We had to go a twelve and zero or something like that down the stretch, and we went eleven and one. We lost a game on a Friday night in Cleveland, and St. Louis leaped us in the standings and ended up getting that automatic bid. But then we made a really good run at the Herster Cup, yeah, out in Dubuque. Uh, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> and Dubuque beat us in the finals that year pretty handily. Yeah. I, I mean, most of the stuff I remember from that, that year, I mean, some of our D guys, Brandon Bolter, that was a big kid. And uh, I remember him, uh, we were, I mean, this had nothing to do with the team itself necessarily but we were at a <clears throat> I think we, were, we had a practice and a special needs kid comes along and starts talking to the team some of the guys on the team well usually you can't even worry because you know kids uh, at that age 17 18 years old they might you know try to toy with a kid like this you know or something like that but nobody did Brandon reached out and was really nice it treated this kid like gold was really nice and this was a local debut kid and uh the kid was probably maybe i'm gonna guess maybe about like 12 years old maybe and uh i remember the kids all kind of uh got around him and stuff and they were really they realized he was a special needs kid and they were really sweet to him and so they they said you're gonna come back and cheer for us and stuff and everything and you know, are we going to be your favorite team out here? And he was like, yeah, you know, absolutely. And his mom was, like, crying. She was so happy. I think we ended up giving the kid a jersey. Yes, yes and we did. Wore, I remember seeing him wearing it during the Yeah, because did not. I, uh, it was about the one person in the whole crowd that probably wasn't screaming at us or getting on the guys. And I remember being going out to Dubuque. I would try and take some of the heat off the guys because, you know, our first game my first year was in Dubuque. Yep. And 
It wasn't very good. Uh, long story short, the guys ended up going on the bus back with their gear on, and uh, it was an embarrassing loss. And it just the ambiance. You talk about another arena outside of the sports arena that was an in-your-face arena. I mean, yeah. I mean, so I would, as the guys were coming off the ice, I would try and get to where I could get in some of the hecklers and get them to take the attention to me for the, so the guys could just go in and, not have to think about that. I can remember almost getting into a fist fight with a couple guys over, you know. Oh, those guys, they, let's put it this way. Those guys, there was no way, nowhere near their first fist fight in, 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 a, in a stands because, I mean, they had they would have like about about four, three 4,000 fans in there and all on one side. That was the weird part. Usually when you have like a three or 4,000-seat arena, you've got it all the way around like a bowl. Well, in the, it was like I think it was called like the five five star event center in in Dubuque. That place it was like about three thousand, a little over three thousand fans, and it went around two thirds of the bowl. The side over where the benches were, that was there were no seats back there, and it was all I remember was um, I w- where my booth was was up at the top, and literally from me to you is where the fans started. And so they would yell and scream and cuss and everything else, and I'm trying not to, not to let them uh, cuss into my microphones. And they are just going on and on and on, and, you know, you know blankety-blank this and that and the other thing. And, I mean, they're swearing like sailors, and I'm sitting there thinking, these are kids, you know, they're yeah. 16- to 20-year-old kids, and you're, you know, but... Uh, they would, I mean, they were, like, ready to, uh, to, 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 like, go down and try and get into a fight with people. I mean, they were like, I'm going to this, this to you, and I'm going to this. I mean, screaming, you know, and it's, I'm like, well, I, and I thought about it, and it was like, well, it's Dubuque. There's nothing else there to do. This is their, this is their minor pro team. Yeah, and, and, you know, now they're, of course, they're in the USHL, which they originally were uh, yeah. for years anyway, and then they just came into our league for a few years. Um Man, I can remember one time I was getting, I was setting up before a game or something, and uh, you know they had doors swung open right by where we would go in and out of the locker room. And I went to walk out, and the guy, the usher, closed the door on me on purpose. Right, I remember screaming at him, wanting to beat him up. Good night. I mean, and that's the hard part of it too. Is usually when you're when you're in a junior program. It's usually a lot, you know, you, you, you kind of understand, you know, the, the people involved understand what each other's going through. You understand that, you know, you're not, you know, you're not making a lot of money at this. You're just, you're, you're doing this because you're giving back because you love the game. And these guys out like in Dubuque, and uh, there's, there was a couple spots like that, but not many, not really many at all. And uh, that would... Uh, just do, they would treat it like, you know, we're going to do this and we're, you know, we're going to do something to one-up you. And, and, and it was nuts because it's like, guys, save it for the ice. Save it for the game. You know, you do that on the ice. You don't, you don't do all this stuff off the ice and away from the rink or away, for, away from the game. You know, that's the, you don't try to one-up and try to, try to do anything stupid like that. Yeah, it was, I mean, like I said, it was... It was just, you know, and, and, and having played in bigger buildings where the fans were like that, I, I had been through that before. You know, I 
We lost the Turner Cup in Fort Wayne in front of 10,000 fans. So for me, it wasn't wasn't anything different. I've been through that, you know. But for, like you said, a 16 or to 20-year-old kid coming in, that's his first game, and this is what he's coming into. It's like just bug-eyed. I remember, you know, Bubba and Bain, and I think that whole line, that first, first game out there, they was just – they had no idea what they were like. This is what I'm really getting myself into, type situation. Yeah, it was very, it was intimidating. I knew, I could tell those kids were intimidated when they saw how those fans were, were chanting and yelling and screaming and just driving them nuts, uh, trying to, you know, intimidate and razz them. And well, that they did. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, still, I mean, you look at uh, how we, how things turned out. Um, of course lost and and i'll never forget this uh we lost and as we're leaving uh i had drove out there i didn't ride the bus i drove out and i i was saying uh my goodbyes to some of the players and stuff as they were getting on the bus and uh i saw dunk and he looked at me and he goes well we tried but we failed and i just looked at him and i said what do you mean i said we didn't fail. We just didn't win. I said, uh, I said, 15 years from now, these guys aren't probably going to even remember the score of the game. I said, but they're going to remember you. I said, they'll remember you as their coach and what you did for them. I said, so you can say you can say that it was rough and that you know that we didn't win, but we didn't fail because we coached the, you coached these kids up and they're going to remember you for the rest of their lives. And that's, that's the truth. You know, um, Dunk was a hard guy to work for um, only because he's so intense. Um, he knows the game and the insides and outs of the game so well that he wants every guy that plays for him and every guy that works for him to know the same thing. Um, so, there, I, you know, we, went, we talked about um, uh, Danzak earlier, Duck. And he, he just couldn't play for Duncan. He just was so intimidated. And, and I would just tell him, like, Duck, there's there's honestly, he screams at me sometimes. And that's just how he is. Like, you got to understand that it's not because he doesn't like you. He's trying to get something out of you that he sees in you. Um, you know, I, I still, to this day, me and, I mean, Ian Duncan, is, I consider him a really great friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the same thing, like you said, these players now that, Back then, probably thought differently of him. They they say he's the best coach they ever worked for. Yep. Um, I think it goes the same side for me. The guys that even back when I started that we didn't get along, they come back now and they're like, "Man, everything that you did, uh, we really appreciate it." Now they don't. You, you're when you're inside the situation, you don't understand something until you're outside of the situation later, yep. and it, then it hits you. Yep, I agree with you one hundred percent. You know, and I just, it's, you, you don't really truly, and like you say, you don't really truly appreciate it, but I think the other thing, too, is Dunk didn't do anything for those kids that he wouldn't do for, you know, do himself. In other words, he wouldn't put them through anything that he wouldn't put through himself through. And uh, he, I mean, he was intense, but he would tell you how, where you stood. You didn't have to know where you stood with Dunk. He, he told you. And... Uh, he was very um, determined. He was very determined. And, you know, and it's funny because, you know, he, he would, I mean, I'll be honest. He and I did not get along when we first met, 
when we first started working together that first season, we didn't see things eye to eye. And but by the time we finished his tenure there, uh, we got we started really getting along really well. And uh, it, it was like it was like oh man, you know now you know uh, then they brought in Scott, and uh, and I've always gotten along with Scott. Well, and I and and then and it's funny because now you for, fast forward all these years now, and like you, Dunk is a I consider Dunk a really close friend, a really good friend. We keep in touch, we talk to each other all the time, and the payoff was to me the ultimate compliment was. Um, I, and I think it, it, it speaks volumes about him as a person, not only as a coach, but as a person. When he got the gig and uh, was for a little while there the head coach in the Federal League with the Menor Icebreakers, and they, he was trying to put things together there and everything, and he needed a broadcaster and he needed uh, somebody to help with the equipment managers. Who's the first guy he called when he needed some help for equipment management? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, and and it worked out really well for me. Uh, We, you know, I didn't get to work a ton of games out there, but, uh, you know, I remember we were getting ready to go into, like, a break for, I think it was Christmas, the first year the breakers were out there, and uh, I called him and said, hey, you want me to come out? And, you know, he thought, well, I can't afford it, and I said, I'm not worried about money, Dunk. I'll just come out there and help you out. And it worked out. I think I, I did like 11 games that year, and I did another nine year nine nine games last year with them. Um, it was you know, and it's it's so much fun. Like I I, I love what I do. Um, yeah. If I didn't, I wouldn't get in my car and drive for two hours to go help a friend out in um, Menor, Ohio. Um, but I I loved it. You know, he put me up in a hotel if it was a two night game, two games. You know. Um, Again, he he did things for for guys on the ice that, and I don't even know if he would. Let's, let me put it this way: mentor didn't pay me, um, and I don't think mentor paid for my hotel room. I think that Ian Duncan probably did a lot of that on his own because he wanted mm-hmm. his players to have something that he couldn't, on an everyday basis, give them. But for that weekend, I could be there with them. Yep, and and you know that was. And he reached out to me and asked me if I wanted the gig. And I said, any other time, I'd take it. But the problem was for me was uh, my better half. You know, so I couldn't. uh, And she's six and a half hours from me. So it's not like I could, uh, you know, say, sorry, honey, got hockey. You know, but it it just wasn't going to. I couldn't put it together with not without uh, uh, her telling me, go take a hike. Yeah. So I had I had no choice, but I still got to fill in on games. I did several games that first year, and uh, it was fun. I, for the first game I ever did with them was as the PA announcer. I was sitting in the stands. Just I was there to support Dunk. It was the first game of the, uh, of the season for them, and it was opening night. And I'm just sitting there, and the owner was doing the PA announcing, I guess. And Doug told me that they, their, their PA announcer didn't, couldn't make it or something. And uh, he said, you want to you do it? And it was like, in the, I think, in the middle of the second period or something. I was like, sure, I don't care. I was like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm, not, I'm just watching. I'm cheering, here to cheer you on, man. And uh, we go. So he pulls me down, and I go around, and I go over to the other side of the rink. And 
start PA announcing. And then he told he told me, he's like, uh, we need a play-by-play guy. Do you want to do it? And I was like, Dunk, I'd love to, but, you know, I couldn't. I had to turn him down, but uh, I filled in for him. And I had I tell you what, for driving a little over two hours from Michigan over to over to Menor, Ohio, other side of Cleveland, I it, that was the most fun. Just to, like I said, it was great to see Dunk and, of course, Brody. My gosh, watching that kid in a Cherokee uniform, then to see him play at the professional level, that really was uh, just a really cool thing to see. I think that's what drew me into going over there. Um, you know, last season I even ended up going down to Columbus, Georgia with them for Thanksgiving week. Um, and that was a great time. Like, it was just hockey, and I, I remember, like, being able to get up and and I don't got to go to my regular job today. I'm going to go to the hockey rink and work for work work a hockey game tonight. You know, um, and not that I, I love my I love my life now, um, but I liked I did like going out there. And like I said, um, Ian Duncan definitely became a good friend to me over the years. Um, you know, and it's it's that, that it's those things that keep you coming back year to year is the friendships you make and mm-hmm. and the people you're going to meet now and okay so then after dunk leaves it's scott searing and then after scott uh, came to kenny miller and that's who we are you're, you're at with now um i did you have to really make any i don't know i guess changes or any do things differently between dunk scott and Kenny, um, the difference between the three and and there's no knock against any of the three. Um, Duncan respected what I do and just let me do my thing. Scott didn't understand what I did and kind of tried to diminish what I did a little bit. And I can remember when they let Scott go. I, you know, Kenny called me at home. I was at home on a, like a Monday. And he told me that they relieved Scott of his duties and that he was taking over and that they were cleaning house. But when he said that, I thought that meant I was gone too. But what he meant was he was getting rid of him and the assistant coach and that he said, I can't do this unless you stay on. Are you willing to stay on? And I was like, absolutely. Um, There was a little bit of a difference of a transition between the three coaches. You know, I've been with three coaches and three leagues with this team. Um, and But over the time with Kenny, the, 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 the relationship changed. Now, I, I grew up, I was best friends with Kenny's cousin growing up, so I've known Kenny and Kelly since probably I was like eight or nine years old. Um, and Kenny, Kenny knew, he said that, you know, he, he believes that in junior hockey you can't do it without an equipment manager because it makes things easier on him. It's things that he doesn't have to worry about, which is really what my job is to do. Let him focus on the players and what they need to do on the ice, and I'll take care of the things off the ice. Um, and, you know, that became, you know, you know, again, there's you got different people, so you're not always going to get along. I didn't always get along with Ian. I didn't always get along with Scott. And there's times when me and Kenny kind of butt heads. But it doesn't mean at the end of the day I don't respect what he does as a coach and he don't respect me as an equipment manager. It just means that that day we just didn't get along, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, what's it what's it been like? I mean, because 
it's interesting because you've got the, uh, the present and the future in Kenny Miller, but you've also got the present and the future and a tie to the past with Todd Omi. And it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that dynamic there of the past, the present, and the future all tied up in one coaching staff between having Omi there and now also Nick Signs. Well, I think that's why Kenny brought Todd back into the mix um, because it did. Todd already was kind of familiar with what we do with the Cherokee, and Kenny had coached in the North American League where guys are back knocking on your door to try and get to play for you. Um, so he brought guys in like Todd because. Todd knew the ins and outs of getting players to come to play with you. And it's a little different when you're going to tell a kid, this is how much it costs to play here as compared to come play for me. It's free. You know what I mean? So I think, and then we brought in Nick last year and um, because, you know, being that we all work full-time jobs, we don't have time or they, I'm sure not say we, I don't do any recruiting, but the, the time to that, like Ian Duncan because he didn't have another job that he could put into the recruiting. We needed a, another guy that could put the time in. And and I, I think you see the difference between now that we have a guy like that um, and, the, and, the, and even the locker room, the difference in the locker room from even, say, three years ago where um, the, the me guys are less in our locker room now than they were three years ago. And, and, and that's a big tie to the coaching staff because they're recruiting quality guys that want to be there to win hockey games and they don't care about the name on the back. They care about the name on the front. Um, and our staff has done a really good job of, of getting them type of players and the quality players that worry about, you know, that crest on the front. Yep. For me, and that's what it's most important about, you know. that I what 14 years with the team, and Todd, I think, has got 14 years, something like that, total with the team. So we know what Cherokee hockey is. Yep. And I, I, I mean, it's funny because I, I was uh, part of that team that won the Nationals in '98. I was there when they uh, finished runner-up in '97. And back in like '99, I was sitting there thinking, "This is how it's supposed to be every year. We we play the regular season, go to Nationals, and you know, it's like, and." Here we are all these years later, and that was the only time I got to celebrate a national championship with players, you know? And it's, it's, it tells you how hard it is. You know, it's not easy. And how difficult, you know, I mean, look at you with, uh, with the time with uh, Port Huron, your time in Toledo. I mean, all these different things that, uh, how close you've come. And yet, it's elusive it drives you you know um there's a passion that you get when you work in the game and you know um you always want that one season doesn't matter if you had 25 that were not that way that one season is the one you're always going to remember i've had a great career i mean i went to the finals in the in the turner cup finals the one year the next year we went to the herster cup finals you know but is it always a bridesmaid, never a bride? Um, or maybe in my case, maybe always a groomsman, never a groom. But um, but it doesn't make it any, it doesn't give you any less passion. It just gives you a more of a drive to want to come back every year. Uh, I'm fortunate, like I said, I have places that work with the team as 
You know, very well. Um, the transition to from the original ownership to the new ownership, I have to give a real big heads up because I remember when when the transition was made and Sappy was going to take over the team and Scott and Tarsh were really kind of upset at the time about it. And I remember shaking Sappy's hand and saying, congratulations and thank you. Only because I knew he was, they were going to make it easier. Especially, and, Kenny, and Kenny Ray, too. We're going to make it easier for me to get the things that I needed for my players to have. Yep. I guess our players, but I always call them my players. It's not that I single myself out. It's just, no, that's just it's, it's how we are. I mean, I, when I talk about the, the guys, my kids that played back in 97, 98, or whenever, or the early 2000s, I, I had nothing to do with that. that was the coaching that was the player that was all that stuff but I still consider them my kids even yeah. though they're not my kids they're my kids and so that when you say that I understand what you're saying because it's true yeah. they're yours because like you, you, say, put, you, in, you invest the emotion you invest the time the sweat the effort into it you put everything into them because you care and you love you love those guys I do I love the game um, I respect the game. And I want to see all my players, uh, at the end of the day, succeed as, as best they can. And I think that's been the biggest difference as well with the coaching staff now is that we're all we're all on that same plane. You know, I'm not obviously on the coaching staff, but I'm a part of the staff, and we're all on that same plane where we want to see players succeed. Um, and that's the passion that like a Nick Signs brought in when he came on. Um, that's the passion that Kenny always had, but he didn't have that one guy. Because, like I say, it's hard for us. We work full-time jobs. We're at work until I get off work at 2.30. I go to the rink for a 4.30 practice. Kenny gets off and comes over there for the 4.30 practice. So we don't, we're not full-time staff. We're, we're full-time guys that got full-time jobs that do hockey on the side. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not an easy thing to do because it is a Hockey is a, a, a lifestyle, and it's a full-time gig in itself, you know. But now, looking at it now, though, and, and by the way, as I look at it, this is how I see you, is, okay, you, did, you haven't got the ring yet, but by no means does that not mean that you have not been successful, okay? I mean, I look at, yeah, uh, close, but the thing is, I know a lot of guys who spent a lot of years not even getting the chance. So I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that in a heartbeat. And, so. and that's the thing. I have been fortunate, um, you know, like I say, um, to go from one team to another. And, you know, like I said, uh, when we go to Port Huron and then you get to that chance and I can remember after we we beat Flint in the, to make the finals, I can remember I closed the door on my office and just kind of cried for a minute, like, wow, I got a chance at this. Um, and then you come back the next year, I can remember when we we were the number one seed all the way through until we got beat by Dubuque on, like, Saturday night and had to play him on Sunday in the championship game. And I remember coming to breakfast, and Tarsh was like, we're here again, huh? And then it all hit me that a year before that, I was in the Turner Cup Finals and lost. And I had to get up and leave the breakfast table and go back to my hotel room. And it like physically made me sick to my stomach because it's like, I can't go through. Am I going to have to go through this again and get all this way and not walk away with that, 
that cup in my hand, which yep. unfortunately came came to reality. But yeah. oh, but you know what? Again, there's so many guys that would uh, they 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 do it in a heartbeat if they could because they've never gotten there, and I know some that they've never gotten there. They never got the chance. And you know, you talk about a few years ago when when uh, it was there were some really tough times for the Cherokee. You know, uh, as far as uh, their record, uh, those type of things, uh, and it was th- those were some bumpy times. But they build character. They build. They help you endure. They help you to uh, feel. It, it makes the times like right now so much sweeter. You know, with the team that we've got this year, uh, that's been pretty darn successful so far, and uh, it just makes that sweeter because you know what it was like when it was dark times yeah you know yeah i mean uh like again it goes back to even my trenton day where i look back at the ecl trail record books a couple years later and see we were statistically one of the worst teams in the league history and then and then you you go through the two years before last year where we were we just struggled It, it was a struggle to get players in um again it's it's tough at our level of hockey i I've seen it for years to want to convince a kid you got to pay X amount to be here and play, um, especially when they think they should be at the level where they're getting to play for free. Yep. Um, and you know this year's a this year especially has been a really really weird year with all this stuff going on and just an excessive amount of players that are available right now. So, mm-hmm. and well, it's nice. Yeah. Well, now let's talk about one other little dynamic before we finish it up here that we haven't talked about. There's a guy that's in the play, in the broadcast booth now. <laughs> uh, you might have heard of him. His name is Zeke Fravor. Hmm. Your son, that, that five-year-old that you used to see every <laughs> three weeks when you were in Trenton. He's, in, he's, he's, he's killing it in the broadcast booth right now. And uh, this is what, you're number three? Yes, um, you're number three. Um, so backtrack to how he got his, into that was um, when he was a freshman at St. Francis, he did the night uh, sports radio. Mm-hmm. And he ended up getting to call the game down in Columbus. That year they won the state title in 2015. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so he actually got to sit in the booth at Nationwide Arena up in the big booth. Up in the gondola, baby. Yeah. And so it kind of gave him a, I think I want to do this type feeling. And and then, you know, so he got, he graduated in 2018 and started college that same, that fall. And yeah, so he went to school for, that's what he's going to school for is uh, media communications, I believe is what it's officially called, but it's broadcasting. Yeah. And uh, you had retired and... Kenny wanted him to come on his senior year, but he was still playing hockey, so he couldn't do it. So then, when he graduated from high school, that Kenny offered him the job, and it was a good. I think honestly, it's probably been good for him because it gives it gets his foot in the door, gives him a little bit feet wet. Um, you don't realize though that for years and years he'd be playing the PlayStation and commentating the whole game. <laughs> so I mean, it, I think it goes back further than just him doing the night radio station and. Yeah, he, I mean, uh, I've listened to a little bit of his broadcast because obviously I'm on the bench when he's, when he's doing it, but uh, 
I hear nothing but good about what he, how he, how well he does. Yep, he's been, he's been, not, he's been killing it. So I'm, I'm really proud of him. Uh, it puts, it, you know, it just, you know, I've heard a couple people say, you know, oh, did, you know, because I got to, he asked me to fill in for him for the opener, and you know, I heard people say, why don't you come back? Why don't you? Come? I'm like, no. I go, it's not my booth. I mean, it, they named it after me, and I'm honored by that, but it's not my booth. That's Zeke's, and that's his domain, and. He's the incumbent, and I want him to be. I want him to be until he wants to move on and do other things, whether it's to to go to uh, whether it's to go to a higher level, or if he wants to put in 20 years like I did. Uh, it's up to him. The sky's the limit for him, and I want him to enjoy it. You know, I don't want people to compare him to me because he, there's no comparison. That's like trying to compare apples and oranges. You don't. They're, they're, he's got his own style, his own way of doing things, and I enjoy hearing him call a game. And so I, I'm so proud of that kid. You know, he, he really is. I'm really proud of him. And I want to see him do big things, whether it's, like I said, you know, just because I got all the accolades that I got when I did it, I mean, most of it was because when I started, nobody else was doing it. <laughs> nobody else was doing it when I started. So now for him, it's, it's you know, the – the doors have been open. Now he's taking the ball and running with it. And he's that's what he's doing. He's running with it. And I could not be more thrilled for him because he, especially at such a young age. Because usually you've got to put in uh, you know, an internship, you gotta do this, that, and the other thing, going to school, getting all these other things done first before you get to where he's at. And he was able to walk in there, but it wasn't just given to him saying, Okay, you're done. Go ahead. He earned it because of his ability. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, because we've had other guys who sit there and, okay, great, and not care. He cares, and he, you can tell. It's, it's representative in the way that he does his job. I think it goes back to, not to pat myself on the back, but it goes back to that words that that boss told me when I went to go out to Trenton was, what are you showing your kid if you don't take this chance? Mm-hmm. So... You know, all these years later, I think that even through his years of when he was playing hockey, you know, you'd watch him. I would watch him, and he'd go to 10 tryouts. I'm probably on the high side there, but before he'd find a team to play for, but he never gave up. And uh, if I can, if, if I don't give him anything else in life, it's just that don't give up attitude. Um, and like you said, it's the same thing for me. If I could find a guy that wanted to come in and learn what I do, eventually I would hand my reins to him because that's what we're supposed to do we're yes. supposed to teach some of the next generation those and what i do is hard because it's, i had a guy that helped me out and the one thing i think that kind of turned him off was i had to explain to him that for me to be in a relationship a girl's gonna have to understand that from august until march i'm not available every night of the week i'm not yep. a, i might be available on a sunday after i wake up at four o'clock in the morning and pull myself out of bed or in the afternoon sorry because I just go. I work a full-time job, and I do the hockey, and I don't. I wouldn't change my life for the world of me. Don't get me wrong. I love what I do, both my regular job and the hockey side. Uh, I would never change what I do for the world, um, and I, I have a good life because of the way I've, you know, my life has gone the last, especially the last 14 years. Yep, no question. Well, you know, Mo, uh, I, gosh. It's been it's been a ride, man. It's been a ride. We have had more um, craziness, up ups and downs. It's been a journey, 
But you know what? Like they always say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And we're finishing strong. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. We're finishing strong. Yeah. And I, 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 I you know, I've, you've already heard me go on and on about Zeke, but I am also immensely, immensely proud of you. Because, I, you know, I've told you this a, a, a million times, but the, for the people out there in Cherokee Nation that don't know, I always tell you that the, uh, the top uh, several moments for me of, uh, of being with the Cherokee and things and some of the things that I went through and that we went through all, uh, you know, obviously the, the everyone thinks, okay, your biggest moment's got to be winning the national championship, right? And I'm like, no. Because, yeah, it was a special moment, and I will have that forever. Um, it's, it was beautiful, it was special, and I'll treasure it always. It, but I also treasure a lot of special moments. And, you know, whether, you know, I mean, obviously now i got to think about the, the whole SAP award and the, and the booth and the whole nine yards. That was, that was a, a really special moment. And yet, through all of that, through all of that, I still have yet to find one that tops when you uh, decided to make some changes and get, get yourself uh, level-headed and right and turn your life around. And uh, when you did that, that to me still, it, it tops the list. So, you know, that's the proudest thing I can see w- w- with the Cherokee that I got to see firsthand. And uh, you've been you've been you've been getting it done, man. You've been working hard at it. it. hasn't been easy for you, but you've been working hard at working at getting it done. Well, life's definitely a marathon and not a sprint. So yep. then when you make changes, you have to realize that the changes you make are sometimes not going to show instant gratification. And if you look for that instant gratification, you're going to be setting yourself up for failure. Yep. Amen. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir on that one because it's never an easy thing to do. But uh, like I said, I, there's so many things that I am so proud of in that, in that organization. And like I say, you're one of them. So now before we go, is there anything you want to say to Cherokee Nation? I mean, uh, talking to them because you know that there's going to be more than just one era of players that are going to be listening to this because they all know Mo. Um, I do want to say thanks. I, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to all the, the podcasts of the players that uh, have been in the locker room with me, but I do want to say that I've heard that a lot of them are saying some good things about me, and I want to say thank you. Um, and I don't do it for those reasons. You know that, but... Yeah to hear that from player former players and then to run into like a dj fisher last week um which i, well, I forgot to mention uh up in frazier because he's scouting for indiana tech and and just just thanks for all those guys that over the years you know remember the things i did because i didn't do them for the accolades later but it, it's appreciated that they they gave me those shout outs yep and they remembered you uh, i did one here a couple back uh ben henry who I, we, I always laugh because I never I never could call him uh, Ben or Benny or any 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 nickname. It was always Ben Henry. I mean, it would be in the middle of broadcast, and you know, okay, so Ryan Kelly passes the puck over to. It wasn't like to Henry. It was Ben Henry. It, it, you know, it's like I keep wanting to say, "Give me liberty or give me death," but you know, yeah. any, anyway. But uh, he he made sure that uh, he he uh, pointed out that. 
he wanted you to know uh, how much he appreciated what you did. Because I mean, of I mean, of all the different names, because I asked him about, and I've asked this about a number with a number of guys. Who do you remember when you played and with the Cherokee? And usually, you know, I'm thinking, okay, it's always going to be a player of some sort. Usually, within the first two guys that they mention, within the first two, it's you. They remember you. <laughs> so, you know, that tells me that tells me a lot uh, as far as what you do and what you bring to to the team, because it, what you do is very important. What you do is highly valued, and what you do is, I think, part of the reason why a lot of these kids uh, they they come back is because of what you've done. So, you know, all I can do is tip my hat to you and say, you know, thank you because it, it, I know it wasn't easy and it wasn't, it wasn't always a, a, a good day at the office, but you still kept up with it and did it anyway. And it's not how many times you get knocked down, Mo. It's how many times you get back up. Exactly, so, yes. So thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Well... I think that's going to do it from here at Chateau Louise. Uh, we've got cold food here that we're going to tend to here in just a minute, but it's going to be well worth it because it is yummy. So uh, for, for Mo Fravor here, Jay Fravor, we appreciate it very much. Uh, hey, I am Mick. Don't forget, subscribe. Go to any platform, whether it is uh, iHeart, uh, TuneIn, Google Podcast, uh, Amazon, you name it. Go to wherever platform you want, subscribe, so that way every time a new episode of Cherokee Rewind drops, you will be notified so you can keep up with what's going on with us. So for uh, Jay Fravor, I, and uh, Jay, before I go, any, th- any questions you have for me or anything that you can think of? Or? No, but I just I, I appreciate you getting me on here, Mick. Uh, I know I was busting your butt about not getting <laughs> me on, but it was all in good, clean fun, you know. Oh, man. I know that. I'm not even the least bit. I never gave it a second thought, other than the fact that, uh, yeah, I I have a, a a piece of software called Pulled from a Hat, and I put in a bunch of names, and I just tap it, and it pops a name out for me. So that's how, I mean that's the that's the rocket science that I use. To uh, get names of kids, to I got twenty years worth of names. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, I, uh, you know, I'm glad I got to you. And of course, now I'm going to have to just hear it from Dunk the whole time because he's <laughs> waiting to be next. So, anyway, for Mo, I am Mick. We will talk to you soon. As you've been listening to episode 31 here of the Cherokee Rewind.